In Mark chapter 16, verse 20, I want you to go there quickly. Mark chapter 16, verse 20, and it says this, a scripture that is very controversial. In fact, when, the, um, when they were canonizing scripture and when scholars were talking about uh, what gospel accounts and which chapters and books would be in the Bible, this was one of the most controversial uh, in the gospel accounts. In fact, they tried to omit a lot of Mark, six, uh, Mark especially the 16th chapter, because it flies in the face of religion and tradition. Are you here today? It flies in the face of religion and tradition. And I'm going to read what it says, and I want you to read with me. You don't have to read aloud, but read it with me so you can know I'm not lying about what it's saying. (laughs) Do you know that people are ten times more likely to believe what comes out of their own mouth? So it's important that we read it together. Amen? I want you to think about this. Look at what it says. It says, you ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. And they went forth preaching everywhere. Here's a word I want you to think about. The Lord doing what? Working with them. Now, here's the thing. People don't mind the concept of God working through them. People don't mind the concept of God using them. God, use me. I used to pray that all the time. Lord, use me. Are you here? Are you still breathing? Because I want to challenge you. (laughs) Is this going to be a ride? I would say, Lord, use me. Use me. Lord, use me for your glory. How many have ever said that before? Right. Come on, how many want God to use them? Okay, I'm going to challenge you this morning. I was preaching in Australia, and I was about to get up on the stage and preach, and my prayer would always be the same, Lord, use me. Lord, just use me. And as I was about to step in the pulpit, the Lord said, no. I said, come again? He said, no. Lord, am I reprobate? Have I lost my salvation? Am I heathen? What's going on? What what has happened? Why don't you want to? He said, Keenan. He said, I don't want to just use you. Y'all quiet already. (laughs) He said, I don't want to just use you. He said, anything that can be used can be discarded. He said, I want to partner with you. Oh, boy, here it goes. Come on, that's when that religious spirit rears his ugly head. And in fact, I was, I was preaching. I did a mentorship thing in Atlanta, and I have this mentorship group, so I do these pop-up mentorship things. And I went, and I went to this. We met at a restaurant, and these are random strangers, and I had my security with me. And uh, we were just kind of breaking bread in the scriptures. And I was talking about this concept of partnering with God. And one of the gentlemen who I actually know, we actually grew up in the same church, he says, now, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I mean, I mean, partnering with God, I don't know about that. I mean, God can use me. But partnering with God? No, no, no. That's not, that, I mean, how could God be my partner? 
he found it to be sacrilegious, blasphemous. How could you call God a partner? Well, you can call him that when you understand the kingdom. When you understand the kingdom, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about partnering with the kingdom of God. This is the last instruction that Jesus leaves to his disciples. The last instruction in Mark chapter 16, he says, and these signs shall follow them to believe. In my name will they cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. If they lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. If they eat any deadly thing, including checkers and McDonald's, it shall not hurt them. They'll take up serpents. Right? So what is, what, is, what is the realization of this scripture? The realization of this scripture is found in the verse we just read. The Bible says they took what Jesus said literally. And they went preaching everywhere. But watch this. As they went preaching everywhere, the Lord was working with them. It's the Greek word synergeo, synergy. In other words, the power of God was synergized as they stepped out in faith. As they, watch this, as they obeyed the instruction of God, God partnered with them. Isn't that a good thing? God doesn't just tell you to do it. He'll help you do it. And he'll work with you while you do it. Oh, I'm not in the right church. Let me just. I thought I was, but maybe. You says, well, well, that's just in Mark 16. Where else is it in the Bible? Well, I'm glad you asked. Thank you so much. First Corinthians chapter three, verse nine, for we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. We are laborers together with God. Now, there's two things you need to have in any partnership. Number one, you need to have a vested interest. If you know about the business world, you know when you have a partnership, there has to be an investment in order to forge a partnership. If I have, if, if, watch this, if I say I have a business partner who happens to be my cousin, but they put no money in my business, I don't have a partnership, I have a charity. <laughs> right? That's not a partnership. In order to have a partnership, you have to put something in to forge a partnership. You have to have capital stock or a vested interest in order to have a partnership. You have to invest in a partnership. God invested in us on the cross. Watch this. This is what he did. Watch this. This is what he did. This is what he did. He gave us the Holy Spirit. 2,000 years ago, he shed his blood, died on the cross, was buried, was resurrected, and then he said, you know what, I'm going to send the Holy Ghost. And in Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse 8, he says, you will receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and you will be witnesses unto me. So he says, I want you to do something, but I'm going to make the investment in you in order to do what I've called you to do. And then when I cause you to do it, I'm going to work with you to see it done. That's a good deal. 
That's a good deal. Can you imagine you go into business with somebody and they say, listen, I want you to go into business with me, but, but here's what I want you to do. He says, he says I'm going to provide the land, the labor, the capital, the resources, all of the things you need to do. All you need to do is agree with me and step out. Y'all not in this place. Y'all, y'all, come on, get off your blessed assurance and hear what I'm saying. Did you hear what I just said? God says, I'm not going to just send you out. I'm going to work with you. Okay, I'm going to prove it to you. You remember this guy named Abraham? Anybody know Abraham? And Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And I am one of them. And so were you. So let's just. All right. There you go. What does God do with Abraham? He tells Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And Paul the apostle writes in Romans, he says, before him whom he believed, even God who quickens the dead and calls those things that be not as though they were. Abraham did not have the capacity to produce children. And God said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And Abraham says, what's going to be the proof of this? He says, I want you to meet me down there and I want you to make a sacrifice. And I'm paraphrasing. And Abraham takes all his time and energy and he cuts up all the animals and lays them on the altar. The Bible says that the fowls came down and Abraham drove them away and he was so exhausted he fell asleep. A deep sleep fell on Abraham. And while Abraham was asleep, what happens is that God comes down as a burning lamp and a flax and he comes down and he actually moves through the pieces in the altar and he goes to both sides. Now most of you don't know what that means. It's ancient lingo. But what that means, because in the ancient world, in order to have a covenant with somebody, what they would do is they would cut up animals and lay them on an altar, and they would walk barefoot on each side, and then they would make a blood covenant by joining their hands and mingling their blood together, and they would say, you know what, this is my end of the bargain, and this is your end of the bargain. You keep your end, I'll keep my end. The problem with this equation is Abraham can't do this because he's asleep. He's knocked out cold. And while he's knocked out cold, God actually goes to both ends of the altar. What does that mean? It means that God made a covenant with himself. Because man was not capable of keeping his end of the bargain. God said, I can't swear by anybody greater, so I got to swear by myself. I'm going to make a covenant with myself. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to promise this to you, and I'm going to be the one that brings it to pass. All I'm looking for is your agreement and your cooperation. Some people's eyes are glassing over right now. God has called us to partner with the kingdom of God. Yeah, it's, it's great. Lord, use me. Use me, God. Use me. Just use me. 
And, and God knows your heart. There's nothing. He's not looking down on you for praying that prayer. I'm not trying to be facetious here. But you use forks. You use napkins. You use plates. You use spoons. You use cups. And isn't that interesting? Because we've seen people used by God that did not end well. God used a donkey. And the King James calls it an ass. God uses dumb asses all the time. He'll use a dumb ass. But there's a higher level of cooperation. There's a higher level of cooperation. And that is partnership. Somebody say partnership. This is where I am walking in step with the agenda of God. That means that when I take a step, he takes a step with me. When I go out, he goes out with me. When I stretch my hands, he stretches his hands out with mine to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons. When I speak, he speaks. Good God, I feel the Holy Ghost now. When I say it, he says it. Glory to God. In fact, if I'm a good partner, I say what he says and do what he does. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about, watch this, healing the sick, healing all that were, were oppressed, for God was with him. Why could he do it? Because God was with him. Why did he have the boldness to walk like it is? Because God was with him. See, when God is with you, you have boldness. When God is with you, you have confidence. When God is with you, you are different from everybody else. When God is with you, there's a peculiar anointing on your life that's not on others' lives, and you can do what others cannot do because you have a partner that they don't have. You have a partner that they can't see, but this partner is omnipotent. This partner is omniscient. He knows everything. He's all-powerful. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. That's the kind of partner that I want. I want to be in agreement with someone that cannot lose. Come on. Come on. Tell your neighbor, say, check your pulse. To be in agreement, to walk with some, someone who cannot lose. Who knows everything, can do anything. See, that, that is the paradigm of the kingdom of God in these last days. See, the problem, here's the problem. The problem is when sometimes we say, God, use me, what we're really doing is we're really trying to get away with doing nothing. It sounds great, sounds spiritual, but it's extremely unbiblical. 
And it's extremely religious. In fact, Jesus flew in the face of this because the Pharisees had this piety and this pomp and circumstance. And Jesus would always get under their skin. You know, Jesus was from the south side of Nazareth. <laughs> that was the inner city. You know that, don't you? He says stuff to get under their skin all the time. He, I'll give you an example. He comes to them, and, and they said, you know, uh, Moses said, he said, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, you say Moses, huh? You say Moses. <laughs> That's great. You said Moses, right? Okay, Moses, Moses. Okay, if you knew Moses, you know what I'm saying? Moses talked about me, so you, you, you don't know Moses because you, you don't know Abraham either. That's not your daddy. See, see, see. Your daddy, the devil. Your daddy, the devil. Devil, your daddy. That's what Je Jesus would just tear them out the frame because we love to sound spiritual. We love to sound spiritual. We love to use the lingo that sounds spiritual. I'm just waiting on the Lord. <laughs> just waiting on God. So what do you know? No, I'm, I'm not doing anything. I'm just waiting right here on the Lord. <laughs> waiting. The Bible says when, when the disciples, hear this by the Holy Ghost, when the disciples heard the instruction. They went out. They acted on the word. Action activates miracles. They acted on the word. And when they stepped out, they didn't step out alone. Sometimes the reason why we haven't seen a move of God is because we haven't moved. I, I, I'm, I'm from the old school. I'm just telling you, I'm just old school. I grew up with old school faith preachers. Folks that, you know, preach the word. And, man, I, I, you know, I, I grew up listening to R.W. Shambach and, you know, Kenneth Copeland. And, I mean, I just, that's, you know, Morris Cirillo. I, I mean, I, and, and these were guys that demonstrated the power of God. They didn't just talk about it. They didn't just philosophize. They demonstrated the power of God. Are you listening to me? I believe we have come into a season, body of Christ, which is you, where God is looking for partners in the earth that can advance his kingdom, that will step out in faith, no excuses, because the reason why there's no excuses, he has all the equipment, all the know-how, all the power and the ability. All he needs is your hands and your feet. And all he needs is you to say yes so that you can synergize. Okay, let me give you some things here. And I'm going to get out of your hair just quickly here. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Write this down. We are called into partnership and not just sonship. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. 
Here's the thing. It does not diminish the value of sonship, but here's what I'm saying to you today. I'm saying to you, uh, it was one of the brothers, I believe Brother Marshall and his, I think his son is Caleb. I don't know the son's name. Is that the name? There comes a point where the child becomes a son. But then there's another level where the son becomes a partner. You're missing what I'm saying here. I'm trying to help you. You, you birth the, the child and he eats up all your groceries. <laughs> Is that right, brother? Then he grows big and strong off of your groceries. Then you impart the know-how, the wisdom, the, the, come on somebody, the insight, the skill. And then now he is now functioning as a son. But then he graduates from just sonship into partnership. Now the son is working with the father. And they are now, ex watch this, they are now advancing the agenda of the family in every area. Why? Because the son has embraced partnership. I'm going to not only do as I see my father doing, I'm not only going to say what I've heard my father say, I'm going to work with my father to accomplish a greater purpose. The same is true of the kingdom of God. The reason why the church has looked the way it is is because we have not even mastered sonship yet. We have babies in the churches. You know how you know you're a baby when you're always hurt all the time. Always hurt. And I just, you know, I just, I just, I'm just like, you know, I'm in a season right now. I'm just hurt. And I, what happened to you? Well, I went to the church and nobody hugged me at all. And I went to the parking lot. There was no parking lot attendant. And I went on a day there was no service. And then I just kind of, feelings always hurt. Always upset at somebody, always hypersensitive, and we haven't even graduated. We haven't even passed the sonship test. Because a son understands different than a servant, a son understands there's an inheritance in the house. And they're not working for a wage, they're working from an inheritance. They're not working for a ways. They are working from an inheritance. Come on, somebody. Jesus said, I do what I see my father do. I speak. In fact, when we talk about salvation itself, we talk about the Romans' road to salvation. And we quote Romans chapter 10, not understanding what Romans chapter 10 is actually saying. It says, if thou shalt confess with your mouth. That's the Greek word, homologeo. Homo meaning the same. Logeo means to speak. It literally means to say what God says. The first thing we have to do in order to be saved is agree with God about what he says about us. Number one, we have to understand that according to his laws, we were sinners. We have to agree with God, yes, I'm a sinner. Then we have to agree with God, but I also agree with you, Lord, that you sent your son as a ransom sacrifice for my sin. I agree with that, too. I say that. I come to agreement with that. Then we have to understand the implications of that sacrifice by saying, because you sacrificed this for me, there is salvation for me, and I am redeemed from the curse. I agree with that as well. So the, so the salvific experience is about coming into agreement with God. It doesn't stop when you get saved. It doesn't stop when you walk down to the altar. 
It doesn't stop when you lift your hands or get baptized. It's a continual agreement with God about his word and his purpose and his mind and his agenda for your life. He's not just looking for a cup or a spoon or a napkin. He's looking for sons that will, in their maturity and in their understanding, will align with God and say, God, I'm walking with you. Good God, I'm walking with you, Lord. Lord, just walk with me. Just talk with me. Just move with me. If I know that you're with me, I know that you're with me. You see, partnership. Somebody say partnership. partnership. Number two, catch this, catch this. We got to get out of here. Heaven works with us as we advance the kingdom of God. Heaven works with us as we advance the kingdom of God. Somebody say this. Say heaven. heaven. Say it like you mean it. Come on, somebody. Say heaven, heaven. works with me as I advance the kingdom of God. Heaven will work with you as you advance the kingdom of God. I used to be frustrated. I used to be frustrated because I'm like, Lord, I need some money. I need some help. Da, da, da. And I was always waiting for God to do something before I would be able to step out. I said, God, I just need. But that's not the way the kingdom works. God will tell you to do something when you don't have the resources to do it. He'll tell you to go places that you can't pronounce. He will. I got a word from the Lord. My pastor said, and he says, man, he said, listen, God told me to tell you, you're going to go to the nations. I didn't even have a passport. I didn't even have luggage. <laughs> I didn't have a passport. I didn't have luggage. I didn't even know. I didn't know what was going on. And, and he said, God's going to do this for you. And you're going to do this. You're going to go to this country, that country. How many of you have ever received a word from God? You're like, nah. <laughs> don't lie. You better lift. You better lift. Just don't lie. Lift the hand if that's you. How many of you ever did that? You're like, ah. I don't know about all that. God says, you're going to the nations. I said, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I can't, can't. How many of you had a promise you couldn't even wrap your mind around? That's how you know it's God. God will tell you stuff you can't even wrap your mind around. It's inconceivable to your mind. It's incomprehensible to your limited understanding. But it's all God. And God will tell you things. And, and announce to you things and, and send you to places that you never comprehended you could go. And all he's really looking for is a yes. So I said, God, what did you mean I'm going to the nations? You go to the nations. So here's what I did. I told my wife, we didn't have much money at the time, but I went down to the best luggage store. It was like a Toomey store in Orlando. I said, let me go to the best luggage store I could find. And I spent, at that time, it was $300. It was on sale, half price. Because it was like $600 for one carry-on thing, and it, I got it for $300. My wife said, what in the world are you doing? <laughs> and because I'm a man of great power and faith and a man of great boldness, and I don't bow before anybody, when my wife asked me that question, I said, see, what had happened was, <laughs> I, <laughs> it was on sale. They had a sale. It was a sale. It, I promise you it was on sale. But it was a sale, baby. It was a sale. <laughs> she said, what are you doing? I said, baby, listen, listen, listen. I can't get, I can't get cheap luggage because I'm going to great places. I, I, I'm just trying to. And I stepped out on faith and bought luggage before I had a preaching engagement 
before anybody had invited me anywhere. It was simply an act of faith. And shortly thereafter, I got my first international assignment. I still have that luggage today. To today, I have that luggage, and I use it all the time. But the point is that I knew that if God's going to move in my life, I got to move. Y'all, I'm don't make me jump down. I'm telling you, you got one more time. I'm trying to be nice to y'all Northeasterners, but this Southern about to come out on you. I'm going to come see you in a minute. I said, if God's going to move, you got to move. I said, if God's going to move, you're going to move. You got to move, right? We got to get out of here. Watch this. Catch this. Catch this. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Every step of faith releases synergy between heaven and earth. Every step of faith releases synergy between heaven and earth. Every time I step in faith, I synergize with heaven. That's good. That, what did you, that's good what I just said. I said it to myself this morning. It was good this morning when I said it to myself. So it better be good to you. I said that when you step in faith, you synergize. It releases a synergistic agreement between heaven and earth. Let me show you. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. James chapter 5, verse 17. James, the apostle who's the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, he literally uses an example from, from 1 Kings, I believe, uh, chapter uh, 17 or so. But it says, Elias, he's talking about Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly, watch this, that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. Elijah prayed that it doesn't rain, and it doesn't rain for three and a half years. But that's not the real beauty of this scripture. I'm going to show you what's really problematic and beautiful about this. It's both beautiful and problematic at the same time. I'm going to say something. Don't, don't, don't get... Don't get Agitated by this, but I'm going to say something here. If you're a real theologian, there's a problem with this passage. If you're a real student of the Bible, you can see there's a problem with this passage. If you make reference to something, then you can go and look at the cross-reference, and it should say the same thing. The problem is that what he's making reference to does not say the same thing. Second King says, he's, he's talking about Elijah. He's talking about it not raining for three and a half years. But the account given in Kings is not the same. Why? Because Elijah goes to King Ahab, he says, as the Lord lives, it will not rain. And he walks away. There's no account of him saying, God, please, please don't let it rain. Please, God, 
please, he's not, there is no toiling. There is no, there's none of that. Which means that either there's a problem with the scripture or there's a deeper revelation. I go with the latter. There is something called an anagogical reality, meaning that the, the, the scripture can have a deeper, more spiritual meaning. And here it is. Elijah was in such partnership with heaven that his words were accounted as prayer. Y'all not in the right. No, no, no. Y'all ain't in here. Y'all ain't in here. I said Elijah was in such alignment with heaven that whatever he said, it was recorded in the halls of heaven as earnest prayer. Even though he didn't earnestly pray, any, anything he spoke, anything he released out of his mouth was in such synergy that heaven had to come into agreement with it. I'm telling you, Grace Life Church, I'm telling you those watching, God says there's a place of partnership with me where all you got to do is say the word. All you got to do is speak it out of your mouth, and heaven will move on your behalf. Heaven will back up what you say. Good God, if you say right now, my children shall be saved, heaven say, yep, yes, they will. If you say, I'm healed in my body, heaven say, yeah, yes, you are, you're healed. If you say, my city is changed for the glory of God, Heaven says, yeah, yeah, it is. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on the earth shall be loose in heaven. But he gives us a caveat. I'm giving you keys, but not just keys. These are the, the keys to the kingdom. It doesn't work if it's not kingdom. It's the kingdom. Someone says it's the kingdom of God. I got to close. I got to close. Y'all not. Y'all you know what I'm saying? There's some stuff I got to give, but you just. Glory be to his name. Watch this. No movement. No cooperation of heaven. No movement. We think that spirituality is a lack of movement. You know, I just... I grew up in church. And I'm closing here. I grew up in church. And I was frustrated, Pastor Buck, because... Because Pastor Amy, I saw people say things and talk about things that they never realized. They never saw manifested in their lives. And I thought, is this Christianity? Is Christianity talking about things you don't believe? Is it coming to church every Sunday and Monday through Saturday I live a defeated lifestyle? It bothered me. I said, there got to be more than this. When we tell people we're Christians, there is an association that people have with Christianity. God wants to change that. The word Christian, like Christ, should carry a different connotation than it does. I'm a Christian. 
became a Christian last year. Like this sad thing. What would you believe? I'm a Christian. Like it hurts. Like it, like it. I'm a Christian. No, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a kingdom citizen. I'm a son of the most high God. The one that owns the cattle on a thousand hills is my daddy. Yeah, that's my daddy. That's my daddy. He my daddy. That's my daddy. I do what my daddy does. I say what my daddy says. I go where my daddy goes. I walk with my daddy. He's with me when I lay down. He's with me when I wake up. He's with me when I go to work. He's with me when I'm in the fire. He's with me when I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. For thou art with me, and thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever I'm stepping out with power I'm stepping out with anointing I'm stepping out with wisdom I'm stepping out with revelation you got the best partner in the universe do you communicate with him You got the best partner in the entire universe. You can't lose. How do you lose if your partner knows everything? Are you hearing me today? How can you lose when you have a partner that knows everything? You got to engage the partnership. I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you today right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. Stand on your feet. I want you to see this. A friend of mine, she's a prophet, and, and she went, what they do, they do these, you know, these prophetic you know, they go to the capital, they go to different sites, and they prophesy, and they pray over the nation and do these things. And so as they went to D.C. on one of these missions, what happened is that um, the Iraqi ambassador, or Iranian, I believe it was Iraqi ambassador, heard about them coming, and he says, can you pray in my embassy, in my office? And they were like, you want to pray? He said, yeah, I, I, I just... I feel like that will be powerful. So they go to his office in Washington, D.C. And when they get in there, they said it was like they stepped into the Middle East. There were Persian rugs. There was, you know, all kinds of Middle Eastern uh, furniture and decoration. It's literally like they stepped into Iraq or whatever the country was. Because the embassy is a representation of the country that sends them. An embassy is the representation. They are the point of contact for the country that sends them. They propagate the culture and the language and the customs of their country. When you step into the embassy, you see the culture and the language and the customs of their country. So here's my question to us today. If we are ambassadors of Christ... And the church is the embassy of God. 
what should people encounter when they come into our presence? A kingdom where the streets are made of gold. Where the fence is made of pearls. Where there is no sickness, no disease, no sadness, no bitterness. What should people encounter? See, God doesn't just want to use you today. That's great. And I, I don't, I don't want to discourage you. Well, I prayed that, Pastor. Are you saying that's wrong to pray that? I'm not trying to discourage you with that. I'm saying there's a more excellent way. And that is partnership. When you partner with heaven, you have the full backing. And you have the disposal of all of its resources as you advance its agenda. You can't step into the Iraqi or the Saudi Arabian embassy and the air conditioning is not working and the carpet is tearing up. Come on, somebody. And the tiles are falling off because that would be a misrepresentation of the wealth of the country that sent them. Lift your hands. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for this great church. I thank you that you have called us to cooperate with heaven. Are you here in the building today? Is there anybody that wants to cooperate heaven, with heaven to see their generation transformed for the glory of God? And God, we come into prophetic agreement with you right now. And we declare that we are those people. We are your children. We are your ambassadors. And you said these signs shall follow those that believe, which means that we have to be in motion. Something cannot follow an immobile object. It cannot follow something that is not moving. So, Father, we are moving in power. We are moving in praise. We are moving in the spirit, Lord God. And we declare that this city will never be the same again. This church will never be the same again. We release our faith and we invest in this partnership. We give you our time, our talents, and our treasures. And we are saying, Lord God, your kingdom come. Glory to God. Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And from this day forward, we'll never be the same again. Confirm your word. Confirm your word with signs, wonders, and miracles. When we speak, Lord God, back up what we say. When we declare, let it come to pass. When we decree a thing, let it be established. Because we are saying what you say and doing what you do. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever in Jesus' name. Everybody shout amen in this place. Come on, shout amen like you at a Steelers game. Somebody lift your voice all over this place in the name of Jesus.